This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week, I spoke with Plastician, aka Chris, and we covered all things so rare. We covered the PSG cards that were added, Messi and Mbappe. We covered the 680 million funding, Series B funding that values the company at over 4 billion. And we just talked about so rare for an hour and a half. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, make sure to let us know on social media. So, Plastician, aka Stish, aka Chris, how are you today? Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Hi, it's good to be here. Big, uh, big fan of the show. Uh, feel like I've been listening to uh, the podcast for quite a while now. So, uh, just glad to be here. Loving, loving all the latest news, and uh, can't wait to get into a chat about it all. Yeah, there's there's a lot has been happening, um, and we happened to thankfully plan this podcast for Tuesday. Uh, just after the 680 million announcement, which we'll get on to, but it would have been really shit if we recorded this last night. Like it would have been really <laughs> shit, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, look, you have been on so rare for I don't know, like almost a year now. Was it last November, November twenty twenty? Right, yeah. Um. Right. So I mean, a pretty early adopter. Uh, you, you were in before the Gary V boom, and I think that's kind of like a cutoff mm. for many people as to yeah. early adopter or mainstream or whatever you want to call it. Um, just briefly, like we'll not dwell on it too long, but how did you find so rare? How was that onboarding process? Uh, and just any sort of highlights, lowlights, whatever you want to share about your so rare journey to date. So my friend, a few of my friends were in a uh, football index as is like quite common with a lot of users on so rare. Mm. So a few, my brother was in there, a couple of my mates, my friend, Dan, who was like the main kind of, um, influence to get me onto so rare really was like telling me, get on this, get on this, get on this. And I never really got into um, football index but I kind of understood what it was and how it worked my brother was in there and the two of them were quite fortunate that they got out when they did you know before all the problems happened like you know a lot of people don't like mm. to talk about um so uh, cut a long story short after that my friend Dan who uh, goes by the username Hudlen on uh, so rare he, he some people might have read his book that he he published on Amazon about so rare a few months back um, I missed that completely. You can hear. Yeah, he's got a little book on there. So rare book. Yeah, check him out. Yeah, he wrote it um, probably around Christmas time. I think. I feel like it was a while ago now, and um, he got, got was need. telling me, "There, that's the one." Got got need. Uh, he he told me, "I'm getting into some Ethereum, and I'm going to put most of this football index money into this platform called So Rare." Uh, you should have a look at it. And I've been in the crypto space for about five, six years now. Um, and I know what NFTs are. I knew how they worked. I understood them. You know, I've got NFTs in my wallet from 2017. So I was a little Ooh. bit skeptical about it because I had my initial sort of in entry into NFTs was as many people were back in 2017 with the crypto kitties, uh, trying mm. to make a quick buck, like minting those and selling them and breeding them didn't go great for me um so i kind of left that after maybe a couple of months um and i had some ethereum in the wallet and i thought i know you know i love football i'll have a little look at this platform um and there was a few decent sides on there back in november last year there was a few players i recognized mm. um but i understood enough about the gameplay that i thought i'm not going to try and buy the big big players just yet um i'll try and buy a few players that look like they've got something about them made some pretty bad um, um, purchases at the beginning, as most of us do. 
Um, but eventually, after a few weeks playing like the game weeks, I started to realize, right, well, let's have a look at their scores and, you know, start using so rare data and like digging through all of the data and, you know, players' performances and figuring out, you know, oh, I, using like lesser known players from like the J League in the global to win better cards from Europe and some of the more expensive cards by finishing higher in those divisions. Um, mm. So that was it, really. And it, within a, within maybe a month or so, I was com- confident that um, I knew where I was going with it. And I put most of the ETH that I had in my wallet at the time into it. And I think my initial idea was, you know, this is just like moving my um, equity into a different asset. But this asset mm. I can put to work a little bit like... Uh, yield farming with ethereum right you can put it into like a liquidity pool you get rewards therefore you know you're creating kind of like a better return on your investment than just leaving it in ethereum and hoping it goes up in value and when i started buying the cards i thought oh you know doing something with the ethereum it's not just sat there it was then it's kind of like all right then i realized that's only true if you can also sell your cards and they don't go down in value so then that was when i really started thinking i'm going to be it's going to be easier for me to sell the Lukaku's of this world than it is to sell like the um, the show Inagaki's of this world, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and shout out show Inagaki. He's been a great card for me, to be fair to him. Um, but that was it. Then I started thinking, right, well, may- maybe it doesn't matter so much if I spend a bit more, buy a few more expensive cards. And I bought, I think Florian Verts was one of the first. I mean, at the time, wasn't expensive. I think I paid 0.3 ETH. For him, which at the time I've, was probably I've been like creeping on you. I started to butt in. I was literally creeping <laughs> back, and I was going to pull you back and say, "When you said you made some shit signings at the start, maybe you've sold them because I probably did." Yeah, most you got of them. Florian, you you got for like three hundred and forty-two euro. Yaramchuk for one hundred and fourteen. Samansky for ninety-four. There's yeah. a couple more crackers here. Musiala for one hundred and sixty-one quid. Yeah. Um, there's Lakonga in there, Leon Bailey, both sort of sub one sixty one seventy. Lukaku for two hundred and ninety two. I think that's like the cheapest that's... Lukaku that ever went on the uh, on the auction market. That's as mad. Well. Do you know yeah. like because I look at man, you've even Koulibaly there, who's one of my favorites, and I think he's massively underrated on the platform personally. Mm. When you compare him to like the score output of like some of the best defenders yeah. in the the champion division, I think his output is actually unreal. But um, just looking at like. I thought I had a few crackers, but I mean those are those are really really good timely signings. Yeah, I sold another one uh, recently. Actually, this week I sold my Nuno Mendes, and I think I bought him around the same time for like point three, mm. which at the time I'd actually overpaid. I think I went in the auction and just like put in a a bid hoping to win, and then realised I'd actually paid uh, slightly over the odds for him. But I've managed to still sell him at a profit in, in even in ETH terms. I think I sold him for point four five. Uh, earlier this week um if i remember rightly it was point yeah 0.45 um purely because he's going to be at a side where he gets rotated a bit more now and you know i think i can put that if i'm trying to kind of consolidate my um my collection a little bit more into super rares now mm. so i'm selling some of the some of some of the cards i'm selling are pretty good you know i got rid of uh, memphis Depay recently as well um and i kind of like reinvested that into some supers to try and push into the d2s a little bit before you know these massive onboardings happen that that we're expecting Mm. to see now especially after today's news um so yeah that's kind of like my current where i'm at currently with it but i think i was just super lucky the time i got in 
and the and also the sort of time I decided to invest a bit more in in the platform and buy some of the more at the time expensive players you know even the prices we're talking about there comparing them to some of the purchases I've made in 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 like the Asian divisions and stuff like that like some of my Asia cards were like five quid seven quid and they're like their top scorers in the division still um I would like I said I, once I got into so rare data and started like crunching the numbers a little bit it was only then that when I realized, you know, how hard it would be to potentially cash those cards out if I needed mm. to get off the platform for whatever reason, that having those like more premium players would be easier to get rid of them as and when I've needed to. And that's actually come pretty true um, yeah. um, for me, definitely. You know, if and when you want to sell Depay or Nuno Mendes, you can do that pretty easily now. Yeah, there's always demand. The th- it's actually quite uncanny because I was saying to you before, I was looking up for Plastician on somewhere to try and find your club. I couldn't find Stish, but it's actually Stish. <laughs> but now yeah. that I'm looking, it's uncanny. Like our journeys are so similar. Mm, our definitely. galleries are quite similar. Um, I've actually just pulled you up on so Rare Data here. Our galleries, based on so Rare Data's valuation, which we know can be a bit hit or miss, we're literally yeah. like within a percent or two of each other. Like we're very I was close. Looking at, I was looking at that today as well, funnily enough, because... Um, I was talking to someone about like, you know, like people talk about whales on the platform it's, and stuff and yeah. Gary V comes up a lot and you and I are a few places above him in terms of our gallery <laughs> value now. So we're actually That's like, funny. does that make us whales? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't like, he's got I, a lot less cards than us. Though. Yeah. I think this we are it. technically whales. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like an asshole, but I mean, six figures is a whale, of- isn't it? <laughs> it is it's a lot of money it's not the sort of money i would have invested yeah. into the game but you know it's grown to that point now that this is like legit asset um you know management now it's looking after mm. an, a proper asset and uh i didn't think i'd be here a year into my journey but here we are and now i you know i put so much time into research and thinking of like making decisions about selling rewards or reinvesting the money into better cards trying to consolidate my gallery down a little bit it's probably got quite a few cards each week now that don't even go into training because i can't mm. i don't have enough goalkeepers or so yeah it's it's a different game now to what i thought i'd be in but it doesn't take any of the enjoyment out of it for me at all um i absolutely love it i think it's a great platform oh. and um i'm sure you know in a year's time i'll have more cards or you know a higher valuation of my my i, I can't see any way out of the platform for me anytime soon um it's the entertainment value on top like regardless of the money returns like i think exactly what you were kind of saying there is like a year ago did i envisage myself being here no i remember being on football index which you mentioned earlier mm. and i remember when i was on it my whole portfolio or gallery would have been worth maybe three to five k and in that platform at that time i was considered a bit of a minnow mm. you know i was very small yeah. time um and i think on so rare with three to five k now you would probably just to be a, be about competing in D4, maybe a D5. So, but like, could I have ever dreamt I'd be where I am? Absolutely not. I just got in here at the right time. I bought Zielinski for 30 quid, Koulibaly, <laughs> Nubel, a bunch of others for cheap enough. And even looking back at some of my bigger purchases, once the sort of Gary V thing happened, the legitimacy came, even those prices are, are kind of funny to look back on now. A lot of luck yeah. involved in the time and I getting in. And I'm very thankful, I suppose, to those who, convinced me because you obviously had people convincing you i have people who i mention every single week in this podcast i'll not do it again who convinced me yeah the scottish Um, contingent (laughs) yeah exactly and it kind of it catches me off guard when i go and look at what it's worth i'm like jesus but you know that's that's crazy but i think like based on 
my sort of risk assessment of what's going on here. Announcements like today further cement my confidence in the platform and therefore mm. my risk associated can go up. So like the amount of money I have in this platform, based on the risk I see in front of me, I think based on my financial situation where I'm at in life, it's a risk worth taking. Um, mm. Whereas if like things like today weren't happening, La Liga announcements, PSG, everything else, which we're going to get into, like the confidence mightn't be there and maybe I would have cashed out a bit more by now and I would have played it a bit safer and whatever else. But the bottom line is the risk risk and reward on offer here. I'm happy with how much I've got riding and I think yeah, everyone that's... needs to do that sum on their head, not get carried away. And the bottom line of it all is if I lost this whole thing tomorrow, I would still go to sleep and eat and have a house and yeah. my family would be fine. Do you know what I mean? And that's the big thing people need to remember Definitely. because this is going to be a very hypey, upbeat podcast i have no doubt because it's an amazing day and amazing week for the platform but again every week putting the disclaimer in don't have anything in here you can't afford to lose um yeah i, I agree with that I, I i feel very similarly i think it is it is a lot of money and looking at it on paper is like wow i, I can't believe how much is is in there like i've yeah. never really had this sort of money in any kind of investment until now you know i've seen the crypto kind of go up and down and I've watched similarly my investments in the crypto side have done pretty well this year and you know some some weeks you're up 40 percent the next week you're down 30 percent and um but if you if you kind of zoom out and look back at the the overall kind of like growth chart rather than like what it's gone up in a week or down in a week and just chill out for a bit you know that i think we're still on an upward curve here i don't think that um this is going to slow down anytime soon and the demand for those rares and super rares is only going to go up from here um mm. and i think that they've done a great job so far of the way that they you know like in, introduced to limiteds and stuff like that so i'm quite com i feel really confident that they've made really good decisions up to this point in my opinion anyway i know a lot of people like to air their uh there are thoughts and ideas on social media sometimes not always a uh, positive but i think overall they do listen and they have made good decisions up to this point in terms mm. of scaling especially if you know the layer two moving it to layer two before they did the scaling that's a great you know that's a really important decision that they made there and i think that was frustrated a lot of people but there's no way they could have introduced ten thousand new users every couple of days with it you know the gas fees that they must have been paying the fact that they were covering those at all is still amazing to me. And it's something I don't really look at on this podcast too often, but it's definitely worth bringing up is the, did you just mentioned the tens of thousands of new users? Like if we look mm. at the numbers of users with cards, so I did have a great graph. If anyone's there, basically go to market, go to charts, scroll down owners of at least N blockchain cards. And from that, from the 11th of August, 12th of August, which is pretty much around whenever limited come in, I mean, yep. albeit there's so many more cards for people to get and whatever else. So I understand why, but there's been a massive upward trajectory there in terms of people with numbers of cards, which is just increased engagement, increasing engagement every single day on the platform. Um, and every single day, more and more new users are owning at least one card um, and every other number of cards. But yep. it's actually crazy. I've, I actually have, even in my own time, don't really look at this. I hear other podcasts like the Andrews and maybe Hybe and that talk about it, but it's not something I ever really look at, but I'm looking at it. It's kind of mesmerizing. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a, it's a crazy chart. I mean, it's it it's going parabolic, really, isn't it? It's almost like mm. vertical. Like in a, in a few weeks' time, if we carry on at this rate, you know, that will that number will be rising by thousands on a daily basis. Um, 
Like and the platform is now kind of like 20 times bigger than when I signed up, which is kind of mad. Yeah, yeah it's insane. It's moved so quickly as well, really, in that ter- in, when you think of it in that, mm. in terms of that. It's quite um, interesting even looking at that chart because when you look at the kind of the Gary V moment in what was that, Feb, you can see the auction volume is like massive. But in yeah. terms of it, it doesn't quite have the same effect on the number of players who own X amount of cards because I think... It, the Gary V kind of boom was a lot of people coming in from that NFT and collectible um, background and they've come in, they've bought the big cards and they've not really got involved in the games as much. Whereas the players that get involved in the game, maybe, you know, their galleries grow exponentially over time. Um, there's a lot of examples of um, galleries. I was looking at one the other day. I can't remember the name of it, but there's a guy on the platform who spent about 100 ETH that week that the Gary V boom happened and his investments down about 80% because he paid like nine ETH for a oh. Jal Felix cards. And, you know, I sold one, I sold a Jal Felix that week for three and a half. Um, and if you play the game, you'd have, you'd have, you'd know that Jal Felix is not a great scorer on mm. SO5. So three and a half ETH for him um, seemed amazing at the time, but literally a few days later, he's going for six, seven, eight. The one went for nine. It's, it was nuts. And then a lot of people that came in during that boom spent that money and then disappeared. And mm-hmm. I think for me, like that's that's a great short-term buzz for people who are trying to get rid of maybe some uniques or um, some supers of players that like might have a bit of potential for the future, but are not great maybe in SO5. But in terms of like long-term longevity of the platform, I think a slow and steady growth is going to be the winner, really. Uh, more people playing SO5. Um, will probably mean, you know, less likely to get in the cards. But that's another reason why I think like now is the time to really knuckle down, you know, get to grips with the game, uh, you know, really study your, the lineup, study as much as you can, try and get as much as you can out of all the game weeks now, because in six months yeah. from now, it might be super hard to get in the cards. Well, the dynamic rewards are dynamic based on the numbers of teams actually playing each week. And I'll bet we're getting exactly. more licensed teams for some more rewards. But at the same time, it's not based on how many people sign up. So mm. I was kind of saying this a month or two ago and it came from my good friend Quinny. He's been saying this for a long time that after sort of matrix changes or like rewards changes are implemented, there's normally a period where people who are already there are kind of milking this reward structure that's somewhat future-proofed. But over yeah. time now, it's going to become harder and harder and harder until they have to revisit it again. But look, we haven't even touched on a couple of the biggest points of the week, but something just to come off the back of that. Speaking of rewards... There's been a lot more emphasis on the live rewards. Um, I'm going to just bring a question in here from Jay Fraz. The recent inclusion of real-life rewards linked to SO5 is a great start for SoRare to really market the platform to the masses. But where would you like to see the SoRare team go next with this to optimize engagement and deliver a game-changing experience? Now, we'll just talk about that topic in general because I think like those ticket cards, which I unfortunately didn't get any of, are yeah. so interesting. I love it. I love it straight off the back of the El Clasico experience. And I, this is what really excites me about the platform because mm. I think long-term, that's what's going to really drive the value of cards. How creative can they get with this? How much can they give away? Because when you think about it, like if you're using cards to win more cards, to win more cards, to have more cards, to play to win more cards, it <laughs> feels a little bit Ponzi-ish and like it's going to go nowhere. And like, it's just, it does like the Ethereum cash prizes definitely help. Um, mm. And they help drive the value of those cards to make them actually worth something when you win them to sell them. 
But what will really add an absolute, I don't even know if it is intangible, like a value that really is, in the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, true collectorship, is how much is a all expenses paid World Cup trip worth to someone? I mean, I'm sure you can actually work it out. You yeah. can work that out. But let's say you throw into the mix a meet and greet with Lionel Messi this is or it. something. That's where you're getting to the stage where like, oh, anyone can win that in a special weekly this week. Yeah. That, that, that's that's worth whatever you want it to be worth. I I, I love the the last few special weeklies like the the Liga special the two hundred. I managed to uh, pick up a Rodrigo um, that that week. I Lovely. was really happy with that. That was a great uh, little limited uh, card win. Um, but I loved that. It really like engaged me, and that got me buying limiteds. Actually, I thought you know I I didn't have a great team I could enter, but I really wanted to compete in that division. So I bought like a Benzema limited, um, a Parejo limited. I know you won. You won one, didn't I you? Was the, uh, over the moon, over the moon. Great card, that. I have a history That's with Daniel Prejo. Every platform I'm on, I I buy this guy and get burnt by him because of injury or something. <laughs> but I just have a special place in my heart for Danny Prejo. And literally the night before on Twitter, I posted being like, Daniel Prejo, back from injury in the Champions League, actually looks great value for a champion midfielder. Yep. yep. And then the next day I won him. It looks a bit fishy, but I was buzzing when I won him. Properly buzzing. I would have been. I think I bought I bought a limited of him that day, so I, I entered him in my D, in my um, special that week, um, and so I've, I kind of bought like a set and forget D five uh, that mm. you know if and when you're allowed to enter limiteds into the special, I'll use them for that. But when I don't, I've got like a I've got a five a five or six maybe seven players now that um, can be used in the global D five and hope to like win some more limiteds. And I do keep an eye on the limited. Um, market i think i'll probably try and pick up a couple more goalkeepers in the hope that um i'll win a few more cards and can maybe mm. like squeeze a, a challenger team in at some point or a, or or a champ euro d5 um but yeah i'm not sure how much money i'll invest into them but in terms of the special weekly um and these sort of real world prizes i i think it's amazing uh i was really I was gutted to not win. Uh, I didn't finish top 100 in it this week. Mm. Um, I think I finished about 140th or something by the end of the uh, game week. But I was really intrigued by those, not just by what they look like, but the, the thought of having like a couple of tickets to a La Liga game I can cash in at some stage, stage in the season. I mean, we, don't, we don't know the details of that just yet, but um, yeah, I think it's great. And like you said, meet and greets, you know, the, some of the... The, the ideas, you just, the obvious ones, like, you know, like maybe a kind of like a dinner with PK, like a sort of like, and the so rare team, you know, the Shakira chilling beside him. Yep, exactly. Madness. A drink after dinner and all that. Those trying, hips, they don't lie. They apparently. don't, they don't. No, they speak no lies, John. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> that's the type of shit. Like, I, I have no doubt in my mind that the likes of Rio Ferdinand and the boys who are all involved in the investment would... I, Absolutely. No, I have no doubt they'd have any issue putting up some sort of dinner slash kickabout slash I don't know. Something I want to get into like a training that. session. I want Hans Vanneken to put the ball on my head and I want to take penalties <laughs> against Van der Voort. I'm not joking. I'm telling you, yeah. that's my goal for the next six months. I want that to happen the next year. I've, I got, mean, I've got Gaetan Cook's uh, super rare and I've noticed he's on the platform. He uses, uh, he buys the odd card here and there. So, you know, like maybe a penalty shootout uh, session. We, we, five aside games, charity, like so rare. Five yeah. aside tournaments, the whole shebang. But There's I think so the, the funny thing about all this will be the language barrier. 
<laughs> you know? yeah. it's such a global game that the language barrier is going to be hilarious like the first ever so rare meetup whenever it happens if they have a big party in paris or something it's like there'll be like all the people who speak one language in the corner and all the others who speak the others in the other corner I, i'm starting to debate like do i need to learn french here like do i actually need to go and learn yeah. french or spanish i've like school like standard not even school shitty school standard like seeing my gcse's french and spanish and that's from like 10 years ago so i, I need to probably like brush up doing a lot of traveling um it we, we're the worst for it us brits um and i mean you're in ireland though you but like, you guys are just as bad as as a oh we're terrible we on, yeah we but we go anywhere else in the world everyone speaks english and, and like we we're all like completely useless at speaking everyone else's languages and then you uh, go over to spain and you go like dos cervezas por favor and you think you're class <laughs> everyone else thinks you're a dick <laughs> you <know? laughs> that's the so way true. it is yeah but um i've been watching um money heist or casa del papel recently and i find myself like i'm really listening i'm thinking like do you know what like watching the subtitles and hearing what they're saying i'm like okay i need to really like focus on this and try and pick up like some of these standard words in spanish again then maybe do a bit of duolingo because i'm telling you this platform's going global and if you want to make content oh, in yeah. it, i think being multilingual would definitely be an advantage but absolutely oh, that's a absolutely that's a big commitment anyway do you know what i'm going to bring that up right now as well do you know people are waiting for the 680 million chat they can wait for psg content creation so you're a content mm. creator you have a you have a twitch channel you're you're a dj yep. you haven't mentioned that yet um, yeah. I actually cannot wait to pull that string sometime. Where are you based, London? I'm based in London, yeah, South London. Um, I'm in Croydon here. Um, Croydon. Yeah, Croydon's kind of like almost a small city in itself. We've got quite a big population here, but we are like a borough of London. Mm. But, you know, we're we're right on the sort of like south um, borders of London inside the M25. Um, yeah, what I've sort of other places life. are near that? Because I have a few mates who live in London and one so, of them sounds exactly like you. So I guess like close to closest football club to Croydon uh, is Crystal Palace. We got Crystal Palace in in the kind of like Croydon area, um, and then you've got Brighton just down um, the A twenty M twenty three, which is like on the south coast. It's probably like a forty five minute drive mm. from London, um, and then I guess like sort of surrounding areas in uh, in London, in terms of football terms, we've got Millwall and Charlton kind of nearby. Um, who do you and support? Then, I'm I'm a Man United fan. Classic, United. classic South London. You know, like London. <laughs> yeah, South London. Sure. Classic South London. I do follow Crystal Palace as well, though. To be fair, I, I get down to Crystal Palace quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I've, I've I've been a season ticket holder for United till till I started having kids, and then that stopped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the travel up out there and back was worse than you know the expense of going to watch the game. It was the travel, and I, I used to travel abroad as well. I went to a fair few games in Europe to watch them and uh yeah i haven't been um to old trafford for a little while but my son is like really excited about the potential to go and see ronaldo play now so i think that's going to be on the cards in a in the next couple of seasons at some point um but yeah i've been a dj um for 20 odd years now that's been my profession i, I produce music i run a record label i've done various uh jobs in the music industry and uh, do a currently do some consulting for like a music tech company called uh pirate studios they've got locations all over uh, europe mm. and um and and america now as well so part of the work i've done with them is like in the marketing team in their content creation team in and in their kind of like artist development that kind of thing as well so it really like 
you know, there were a lot of the stuff that I do within the music industry. I can kind of, I can look, I look at like the so rare product and think, how would I apply what I knew in that to this? And a, a big part of that, you know, like from watching your own uh, content on YouTube and stuff that, like that is, is a massive part of like the growth of platforms like this is like how you reach new users. And naturally, you know, I, I, I searched YouTube um, quite early on and you were one of the first people I saw on there. Um, I think you were one of the only people, to be honest, you and the, you and Quinny um, mm. saw a lot of those videos and uh, they were good, a good sort of like primer. And, uh, you know, like even some of the communications that we get through from, um, Sarah, I think I signed up for the kind of, um, uh, what's the word, the, um, affiliate thing back in before, you know, before they even had like a referral schemes, I think I signed up for the old affiliate. Um, I didn't have too much, um, didn't, didn't use it too much to be honest, but I still get all of the sort of update emails. Um, and they recognize as well, you know, like how important it is for their Mm. content creator, like people to be spreading news of all of these big new uh, schemes and lots of news and excitement. Um, and it is really important. And I think um, engaging that audience, you know, you, you spoke to Nepenthes a few weeks ago, which was really fascinating to hear his views on it as well. Someone who's like massively steeped in YouTube's culture and understands yeah. things like video length, target audience, all that kind of stuff that undoubtedly, someone who has the amount of users following him as he does would be looking at metrics would be looking at you know how how long is it before people start switching off how you know how quick do i need to get into the next segment these are things that i used to have to look at when we were doing content um for the studio company was like you know how how do we keep viewers engaged how do we do that and i know you guys have discussed it a lot on the podcast about how can this be like a more streamable game or a mm. uh, and um, listening to like Nepenthes, um, some of the points he raised about it not feeling like a game, whereas I was I was listening to it and I was kind of like disagreeing, but kind of trying to hear it from his perspective a little bit as well. And I guess like for me, like that FIFA versus so rare dynamic is a little bit off in the fact that I think that FIFA's only real likeness to the so rare game is the opening of the ultimate team cards and you know like the making your team but ultimately if you're shit at playing fifa don't matter how good your cards are you're still going to get beat beat by someone who's above average online um mm. whereas so rare is like a lot more similar to playing something like football manager where you can spend an hour setting up your set pieces doing your research on the transfer market putting your team in and then stopping the play every five seconds to tweak like your throwing takers and it's not, you know, it's naturally not maybe as exciting to watch something like that on a streaming platform like Twitch. Um, but I feel like it's a little bit more um, similar to, you know, like if you ever watch anyone stream um, so rare stuff on Twitch, it tends to be them kind of setting their teams. And you yeah. you know as well as I do how long that takes when you've got 100-odd cards, 20-odd teams to put together. The amount of, like, Google searches, Google Translate of pages, trying to find yeah. little nuggets of information about every player that you're a bit unsure of. And it you can't really stream that, you know. No, I started having to build them. I, like, exactly. I used to build them when I had a smaller gallery. Now I build them and yeah. then stream me talking through them and maybe tinkering. But, like, yeah, you, you just, whenever you have, I don't know, 50, 100 cards plus, it's just not feasible to, like, I mean, that, that process might take you two hours a week or however long. Exactly. It takes me that. days almost. It's like every few hours I'm like, 
What about that player? Oh, you see like, a bit of news, you hear something, someone messages you. That's and, it. Do you know? Or, or if he's a player, you're not sure if they're coming back from injuries. Do I risk him? Like, what? How likely is he to play? Look on Rotowire. Look on here. Look there. Look, you're you're all over the internet. That's not your brain's scattered. It's a mess. You can't even like co- you can't even like cohesively chat about the process that you're going through to an audience that you're trying to keep engaged with what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's like ah, uh, like I've, I've I've streamed it a little bit. But I know when I'm doing it that like people who watch me on Twitch don't care for that. They kind of yeah, want to yeah, understand yeah. what it is I'm doing. So maybe like if I sit on there and do a, t- a stream about so rare, it's normally like walking people through like how it works. So we might just go, this is how you select a team. And this is why certain cards don't work in this division. This division is this, this and this. This one's that, that and that. And it's like you can't do that every week because your viewers come back to watch you each time. They saw you do that last week. They don't want to. They have a little bit more way. knowledge each time. How do you progressively ramp up the kind of? Yeah, level there's a you're few people on? that I've definitely converted a few people from my kind of like music streams into so rare. I think like a lot of people I know in music are really into football as well. And in in a lot of cases, in my case, definitely, I was way more into football than I was into music growing up. So this is like almost like a after COVID and nightclubs being shut down and global tours being locked off and not really knowing when I was going to be able to get back to that sort of work. This was like a welcome escape for me with football back on the television. It was like, great. I can like lose myself in my so rare collection and I don't have to worry about when I'm going to be gigging again or when I'm going to be doing mm. that. And it, it it was a welcome distra- distraction for me. And I wonder how many other people and how many other industries can relate to, you know, that feeling of having a little bit more time on your hands. Maybe you're on furlough, you know, that kind of thing. I wonder how much of that played into the kind of like the ramp up that So Rare has seen in the last year because it definitely felt, you know, like it, the timing couldn't have really been any better for me personally. Mm, I think everyone had that bit of extra time. Uh, it was a big thing within the physical sort of sports card hobby as well. A lot of people were having time to go through the attic and look through their old collections from when they were kids and the nostalgia. Yeah. Like myself, you kind of get involved again then. But um no, I think like in terms of the content, like you'd mentioned about like there's there's different things that can be done. It's about mm. how important is the actual like streamers, how are the, how important are the streamers long term? I don't know, time will tell. Um and as Sora roll out more and more features, I'm sure more and more ideas will come to the fore. I've my own ideas and where I want to bring my content, but as I've said before loads of times, there's only so much you can kind of do. At the minute I make videos about big announcements that happen, big events that happen, big teams that get onboarded. Um, and then it's like tutorial stuff. I did one this yeah. week that was like so rare in two minutes. It's very clickbaity, but it does the job. And I tried my hardest to actually explain it in two minutes. Yeah. And like, that's the sort of stuff I'm doing. But I don't know. There's two kind of avenues to the content that, that people make around so rare. There's the kind of onboarding stuff and then there's the retention stuff. So there's the stuff that's like so rare in two minutes, so rare beginners tutorial 2021. That's like someone's thinking of joining they don't have a clue what it is let's see and then there's the retention stuff and that's where i think you need to get truly creative because that's where you need to like engage people who are passionate about the same thing you're passionate about yeah and come up i think with stuff and i think I, that's something that sorry. i think alex does a good job of that like that's a good yeah raise a good point there like he's him kind of sharing his story from kind of like beginner to try and like build himself up in the division so that people can follow like his progress is quite a nice uh creative way of doing that you know like he's yeah. he's trying to engage an audience that are following his story and can kind of like 
almost like watch it like a series rather than like just popping their head in to see like who he's picked that week. It's more like they're almost rooting for him to do well, but also maybe getting incentivized themselves to like get involved. Like, oh, that looks doable. I'm going to put this much money in. I'm going to get involved. So then you kind of got like that. It's like the, you've got both sides of the sword there, haven't you? You've got the, uh, you've got the story kind of like that people are following, but you've also got almost like the tutorial side of it as well. So that mm. content I think is, 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 is a good idea. Little things like that. I think really nice. Absolutely. Well, look, we're going to talk about a couple of the big things now, unless there's anything else on that. Is there? No, I, th- I think you covered it really nicely there. Covered it. Top job. Um, if I, yeah, absolutely. It was just speaking of you and your content or your music more accurately. You know, today I was getting ready and I was talking to my girlfriend. She just came home from work. It's like I'm talking. To her. I was like, I have a podcast through here and a video recording. That you, who you're talking to? Plastician. He's this DJ from London. Da, 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 da. And uh, <laughs> okay, Google, play Plastician. Hopefully, I've caught someone who's listening at home and their Google's went mad now and it started playing <laughs> your music. You just but, done me a favor there, mate. Yeah. But I was sitting there in the living room, skanking away, making a ham sandwich. Like, great crack. <laughs> I'm a big grime fan. Like, and then uh, I heard Skepta straight away. Yeah, and I yeah. was like. I don't. I don't know if that's what like if it just went to like Spotify's most played, but yeah, yeah. I've done, done, done a few bits week. with Skepta. Done a few bits with. Uh, yeah, like, I was kind of like around for the very birth of the grime and dubstep sounds that came out of London, and was heavily involved in the real early days of that. So did a lot of work with Skepta. We were like, it was probably one of my best friends for years. Like growing up, um, still see him now. I was with him a couple of weeks ago. Um, hadn't seen him in a long time because of lockdown and stuff, but. Yeah, he's just like he hasn't changed a bit. It's it's just nice. But <laughs> I've been really fortunate. Like I came up through um, quite an important movement. Um, was in, really into that music myself and was involved in it. So yeah, I've got to work with uh, some legends of uh, UK music. Really, just try and get a few of them into uh, so rare. Really, try and get uh, some of that <laughs> influencer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get some more influencers on board. Yeah, get a big scabbed on the scene. Um, yeah, <laughs> but wait until Tottenham yeah. come on. Tottenham is a big Spurs yeah. fan, is he? Yeah, he's a Spurs yeah. fan. And, and do you know what actually leads us on to a point? Um, so let me just Google this before I talk about it. So again, I mean, everyone knows what we're going to talk about, so we may as well talk about everything else first. But um, there have been a few stories about so rare teaming up with the Premier League now. I saw if this, you just. Yeah. I, I just Googled So Rare Premier League and The Telegraph have a story, NFT Fantasy Football Game 6 Premier League tie-up. Uh, there's a photo of Rio Ferdinand there, some site proactive. So Rare raises $608 million as it is. Premier League team up for NFT-based fantasy. And Premier League NFT, So Rare aimed to launch digital fantasy football trading cards collections with the Premier League or whatever. There's no smoke without fire. Now, I don't know if this is just stories kind of sensationalising them picking another team for a season, as has been the case with Premier League teams, or if it is actually, you know, I think whenever you have 600 million and you're a 4 billion mm. plus valued company, we're definitely getting into that territory of onboarding a league. And, you know, before, yeah. whenever So Rare was a minnow in the kind of space, it would never have been even contemplated. But, I mean, Tops and Panini have been asleep at the wheel and they're, they're having licenses stole off them left right and center and that's in the physical space if they have any sort of nft clout the amount of money so rare has now i wouldn't be surprised if if something big happens here um that'd be so exciting i think uh we talk about you know like the impact of la liga the premier league is just next level 
in Next terms level. of global, you know, like fantasy football, global fantasy football as well, you know, like how big the Premier League is, uh, the fantasy Premier League game globally is massive. Um, if you can port some of those users over to so rare, it'll be enormous. It'll be absolutely huge, mm. I think. It'd be really I'm going to give a potential spoiler. Um, so I'd say everyone who doesn't want spoiled, skip ahead 30 seconds. Um, and you can cover your ears if you want, Plastician, but um, I don't think you'll care <laughs> I'm, that much. I'm ready to be spoiled. Spoil me, John. So, so I seen uh, a spoiler, a potential spoiler. It was actually Alex who shared this with me, Simply Alex. Um, it was a screenshot from Discord, and basically this article, God knows where it's even from or how legit it is, but why would they bullshit about this? So Rare has signed up some 180 clubs, including names like Real Madrid, Arsenal, and Borussia Dortmund. Hmm. Now, does that mean the license agreements are in place and they just haven't been announced yet? Because there was another thing said, uh, when you open up the Sorare homepage, it says there's 180 clubs. This is from Dothy. Um, there's 180 clubs. But when you actually go to the clubs tab, there's only 177. So maybe there's three clubs they have a license for but haven't been released yet. So there's there's a bit of going on, bit going on there. I'm not going to name drop anything else again in case we're back into the 30 seconds that people skipped. But, you know, maybe it's one club. Maybe it's multiple. Maybe it's, like, who knows what's around the corner. It's probably the biggest yeah. week. Every, every week seems to be the biggest week the platform has ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, we're on a roll for a minute. Let's keep it going. Yeah. Um, but look, we'll, I suppose we'll see. We'll see what comes there. I always say like with these things. I mean, I said about the 500 million so-called investment uh, a month or two ago. I was saying there's no smoke without fire. There has to be something to this. And it's come to fruition. Talking about Premier League licenses. I think it's def- It's obviously a goal of so rares. Would it be mad that if it happens soon? I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility at all. Um, no. Out of the realms of no. possibility. So like, yeah, we'll see what another happens. Really, another really interesting point that kind of went under the radar a little bit was obviously like Universitario joining and uh, the coverage of the Peruvian uh, league being literally flicked on like a switch. Um, the fact that it was that easy to just like, like onboard the coverage of that league because, yeah. you know, now they've got a team. We obviously, we've seen um, Kiev in there and, the league is not covered, but there are other teams in divisions like the Bundesliga B and uh, the Serie B, and you know, like we've got obviously got the Championship covered. But I wonder how easy it would be for So Rare to literally just flip the switch on Serie B and Bundesliga B, um, because there are already sides that are covered, like Schalke, um, mm. in that division. So they probably already have more player cards in that division than the Peruvian league does, by like in terms of player count. So I do wonder as well, like if that's something else that we'll see happening like very quickly, because there was no whispers or talk of Peruvian league being added, and I'm sure it wasn't uh, any anywhere near the top of their priorities, but it was done very quickly and very mm. very quietly almost. Um, so I do wonder if this 680 million inv- investment will also see us um, just you know covering a lot more of the leagues that are currently not covered, whether we've got teams or players. Um, covered in them already or not because it doesn't seem to be a problem if opta are already covering those leagues it's uh surely it makes sense to just hit go on all of them before we even start seeing clubs minted in those divisions because they must be yeah. the odd player here and there that's not covered i think the issue comes it's the whole like champion and challenger being too diluted mm. and too over competitive like i mean if you start giving do you know like let's say 
Norwich are just an example in my mind because they're going to get relegated. Do you know? I mean, <laughs> they're going to get Sorry, relegated, Norwich. but they're they're probably going to go do well next season in the championship. So I don't know what it what it is about like. The championship feels like it could fit into Challenger quite naturally, but like Bundesliga 2 or like Serie B or League mm. 2, um, League 2, like yeah. that seems like a standard of football that's maybe top, not top 20 leagues in the world, which is Sawyer's yeah. goal. And if they start making those scorable, where does that fit into the, the SO5 ecosystem or something? I don't know because yeah. I don't know if I, I like the idea of, I just find it really hard to rank. Uh, Maybe down the yeah. line, I think if you know this does become the one-stop shop, all-encompassing footballing platform for NFTs and social media, and then you know we have leagues that you compete in, like based on the league, and all the leagues are onboarded. Like, there's definitely thousands of championship fans, um, even like League One fans who go to matches every week. Like, could there be a product there for them? Could there be a way you could play fantasy based on like? I don't know, pick someone's mm. shit. Dag, Dag and Red, is that a team? Is that a thing? Yeah, Dagenham and Redbridge. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know, imagine <laughs> buying their players. And, like, I mean, I'm sure there's a few fans there, probably like 40 fans would love to do that at the weekend. But I don't know where I'm going with this. But what I'm saying is, it's like, I feel like it has to stop somewhere. You can't just score every yeah. team and every. Yeah, I guess so. So, like, where's that line drawn? I, that's that's a good point. And I think that, like, but if you're going to draw that line, you'd think it would have been drawn above Peruvian division right maybe they're top 20 maybe they're top 20 maybe maybe they are isn't it maybe they are top 20 to be fair i haven't had a proper look but um i was surprised that that division got like added before some of the others um that we would have expected maybe um i think you know like uh, the second tiers in in the sort of champ champ euro uh, countries would make Mm. the most sense straight away but like you said then 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 what they go into challenger and then that just becomes even bigger again um I think you've discussed it a few times on the podcast um, and I think that that is going to get, it is getting difficult, you know, unless you've got um, those, those big club stacks, it is hard to compete in challenger. I very rarely win anything in challenger, Mm. but I do have good individual players. Um, I just find it very hard to place in the cards there because I think there's so many potential hundred scorers across like multiple divisions. Um, it is tough. It is a very tough well, um, division to compete in. My challenger Europe team this week. Every play, I got, I got a. Now, albeit this isn't a ridiculous story because it's not a ridiculous score, but I scored three hundred and forty-five points. Berghaus captain Pavletis got a goal. Vanekam with a fifty. Van Nuuk and Mulder in defensive stack both got clean sheets, and I was a hundred and fourth. There were a hundred teams above <laughs> me. I thought that That's was quite so crazy. I got a tier three rare, like. But looking here, actually, sorry, just on that. Peruvian league stuff. This is BR football or something. Statistically ranking the world's top twenty football leagues. The Peruvian Primera Division comes in twentieth on their chart. Now oh, God right. knows how they score it, but it means it has to be sniffing around. Romania, cool. Greece, Uruguay, Colombia, Belgium, Czech Republic, Ukraine. I think I've done this recently in a pod. Turk Turkey, uh, Mexico, Russian Premier League, and then it's all the ones we kind of know. So like there's a few kind of out there ones that kind of squeak in so maybe mm. it kind of fits the bill of their top 20 leagues and oh stand corrected that's what they're they're going to gun at before they maybe go to like the lower divisions but yeah possibly I mean, it's interesting i think it is tough for them like how do you classify champion and challenger now with france statistically lower than portugal or whatever and then like yeah. onboarding more teams from more countries 
within that and onboarding more leagues. Split it's just... into, I think that the main thing with Challenger is that, like, you know, you kind of Bruges, Ajax, um, Salzburg, those kind of clubs that, like, literally wipe everyone away in their division every weekend. It's almost like it would be probably difficult to score, but maybe um, there's some kind of, you know, like how we have the dynamic rewards. Maybe there's a sort of dynamic um, league system whereby based on, I don't even know if this exists, but maybe like the UEFA rankings, if you're above a certain tier, you go into like Challenger A, Division A, and then there's a Challenger Division B, which is kind of like the teams that don't qualify for Europe, the teams that maybe finish in the bottom half of those existing Challenger divisions now go into that pot so that, you know, then they're not competing with Ajax and, you know, Ajax mm. are just competing against the other top clubs in the Challenger divisions that win every, 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 every other week. Um, I don't know. There might be a way of doing it. Um, I'm sure that the people at the in the office at Sora are probably racking their brains trying to figure this oh, out as yeah. well because it is getting extremely busy in that challenger division and it's only going to get busier unless they move some of the challenger divisions into the uh, champion. But then is that... I just, you know... Yeah, it's just hard because I think we're so deep now to an extent that it's like it's hard yeah. to change things. Do you know, we are pretty deep. Um, cause, I, I mean, don't want to change thinking... it too much either because I do think like... Yeah. For all for all of it, the the things that with the points we do discuss and a lot of people discuss, I don't think changing a lot of these things will make the game or the experience of the game that much better. It mm. just might it might give certain cards a slightly better chance of getting a bit higher up, getting managers a little bit higher up in some divisions, perhaps. Because I actually don't. It's not something that really keeps me up at night. How busy the divisions are but it does get a lot of people's goats um i just mm. play it to see where i land but maybe that's because i do have quite good cards do you know i've long yeah. said that that i buy quality not quantity and like maybe because of that i don't really care maybe if i was playing it the other way where i was trying to like do a lot of scout and put a lot of time in and then every week i was running the ix stack it would piss me off but at the same time i think like splitting up those Salzburg salzburg sportings and Ajaxes mm. and Bruges into their own division or into champion or whatever. I just think that shafts the people that have those cards, um, where they're gonna either they're just gonna have to compete against tougher opposition. Whenever the reason I bought them is kind of because they're competing against shit opposition each week. So that's what <laughs> gives them true. their value. Do you know? This is true. Equally, and I think as soon like, as you start like, then it starts having a knock on effect on the market as well, doesn't it? Because I think that was the main thing a lot of people worried about when the talk of the new scarcity was coming was a. Uh, what effect is it going to have on the rare prices? And I think that the way that they executed it was actually perfect. Like, don't mix the limiteds with the rares in the divisions. Um, and, you know, like, I think the special is a nice, you know, like, occasionally we will let limiteds into that. And I think that's the way to go, personally. I, mm. I don't I don't mind that limiteds are allowed to compete with rares in the special, but if you start putting them in the D4, then it puts pressure on people who don't have limiteds to buy them. But it also means that, you know, it's going to have a massive knock-on effect on the price of straightaway goalkeepers. Goalkeeper rares will will not be worth a quarter of what they're worth now. Um, and that will upset a lot of people. You don't want to upset everyone. You know, every mm. decision that's made now is going to upset someone, unfortunately. But that's where we're at, I think, as a platform. You can't please yeah. everyone. And for me, I think the game is good. Yeah, it is. I know we've had chats about substitutes and all that but me personally i think the substitutes will i know we like mentioning like are, are we whales now whatever 
probably are like definitely have an, an advantage over most of the players on the platform. But I still think that if you give me the opportunity to use subs, I'll hardly ever get a DMP. And then what's that going to do for people who've only got six or seven cards that they put into the D4 every week in the hope of getting that ETH and maybe winning a card if they get lucky? That just wipes them out because, you know, the top sort of five to 10% of the platform are never going to get a DMP ever. Mm. There's no, They'll never have a DMP. And that allows people in sometimes. It's definitely, I've had situations where like I'm on the borderline of a of like a reward and I'm looking and I'm like oh these are the two players that I need to look keep an eye on because if if this player scores like a decisive I'm going to lose my position in the cards 10 minutes into the game that player gets a red card and suddenly this whale is out of the cards and I'm in and I'm yeah. laughing and I'm working my way up the divisions and I think without those DMPs and those unfortunate situations that happen on yeah, games variation like otherwise it's just I ask five man each week exactly yeah i exactly seven right. man each week six man each week but what the variation of not being able to pick the ajax starting lineup is enough yeah to, to shoot people in the foot like because berghaus will start in the right one week anthony will start the next and then kudus exactly. comes on and you know it it scuppers people's plans and it does I make see. it harder even picking five bruise starters each week might get tough mm. whenever fixture congestion's a thing so yeah, I, I'm actually not a big fan of subs, I don't think. I mean, I wouldn't no. throw the toys out of the pram if they come in, but I wouldn't be voting for it. If it was a yes or no right now, I'd vote no, personally. But no, I'm not I, I think it's nice. Way. It's nice that we've got that option to do that on like the data league and stuff like that, where you know, like yeah, for maybe people when once you got to those bigger galleries where you can compete in there, nice little added, like slightly different to playing the main game. But I think like if you start tinkering too much with SO5, it's gonna it's gonna cause problems that maybe people are not seeing uh, ahead of enough i think well they're, I they're like back the them to make their the right call because they seem to keep doing it and until they fuck it up i suppose we just have yeah. to back them <laughs> um, right on to a couple of the bigger points and then we'll hit a couple of questions and, and go home but um so psg were announced and released well we knew they were coming but they were released on monday um the messy limited let me get this right the one of a thousand went for nine and a half grand this is euros one of a hundred went for 20 grand and the one of 10 is currently sitting at about 31 grand and bappe's one of a hundred went for 22 grand which wow. is more than the messy one which i thought that, was that really surprised me that really yeah. surprised me and the one of a thousand went for four thousand six hundred, which was less than half of Messi's, which kind of makes no sense. So, I think the bottom line here is that a lot of people feel that um, YNWA got a bargain with that one of a hundred Messi. Um, oh, I think he and by did a bargain, it's like twenty grand or so. Now, <laughs> yeah, but he it, didn't seem to a... be bidding against any of the kind of like mega, the mega money. He was bidding mostly from what I could see against other people that play SO5 and not any sort of like random collectors that have come in with yeah. money bags and no sense. And I think like we'll we'll probably see that on the unique um, and possibly on the supers. But also I feel like in terms of like the way this has been marketed to the wider public outside of the so rare community on Discord and on, you know, Twitter, there hasn't been this massive fanfare about messy nfts and i don't know if that's because of a licensing issue obviously messi dropped his own kind of like nft collectibles mm. recently i wonder if there might have been some kind of agreement in place because that came out very quickly and i wonder if they knew that there were going to be messy nfts dropping on so rare so that drop came out super quick no there was no warning on that but it did come out via messi's uh, social media channels whereas we haven't really had any chat from messi's social media channels about so rare 
possibly because of some kind of agreement that they have. Um, so mm. I wonder if so were so were were even allowed to um, present um, an, a messy, unique um, auction in the way that they maybe could have done. Because if you give if you give the world like a couple of weeks notice of this coming, there's going to be people signing up to the platform, ready with their money, getting their ETH on the platform, getting everything in place, ready to put in those big bets when the auction goes live. Yeah, but there was none of that. Um, and I think that is a big part of the reason why we didn't really see too much of the kind of like new users getting involved in that, those messy auctions, um, which has been great for the SO5 players. But it'll be really interesting to see if and when that unique goes live, which will maybe be, I don't know, maybe this Sunday, maybe the power hour or the weekend after. Mm. There's going to be some insane power hours over the next few weeks. You know, we've got Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, uniques. They're all ready to be snapped up. Um, so you'd imagine, right, from a marketing perspective, you probably go with the Neymar, then the Mbappe, then the Messi one week after the other, but let people know that the next three weeks is going to be this, this, and this. So it gives any potential whale new user three weeks to get signed up, get on, get comfortable with the process and get their ETH on the platform. Cause we know, you know, it's not quick. It's not like just using your MetaMask. You have to get it onto so rare. Uh, you know, it takes a little bit of time. So you have to have that in place ready ahead of the auction. If you don't give anyone any warning of that auction coming, all of these new users are kind of like out of the running. And I think that's mm. probably why uh, why NWA has got a little bit of a bargain, as crazy as that sounds. But when you compare it to some of the, the Mbappe um, previous auctions of last season, it is, it is, a, bit, it is a bit of a bargain. I think- I think the the biggest comparison for me, which makes it look like an absolute steal, is that it cost twenty thousand six hundred and sixty euros, and the next five Messies that came out all cost more than nineteen thousand euros, and then the last one there <laughs> went the fifteen one, minutes yeah. ago was over eighteen grand. It's the number one, and it's like five percent dearer, if even than the rest. It just seems, it, yeah. from a collector standpoint, it's an absolute steal. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's laughing all the way to the bank with that one. He'll Absolutely. he'll be able to if he if he wants to sell it, he'll double he'll his get money way more now. Yeah. yeah, right now he get. I, I don't know how much he'd get. I mean, I'm not. I don't know how many people there are out there with that much money at the minute, just waiting for that. But what I'm getting at yeah. is like, I would be very surprised if he didn't make money in that if he sold it today. Um, yeah. another big implication of these PSG cards is buffering out the under twenty three pool with Mbappe's and Donnarumma's. And the champion mm. pools with Messi's, Neymar's, and I don't know if the other lads fit in there or what happens, but bottom line is the prizes just got very interesting because, mm. I mean, there will be Messi's in the champion pool. There will be Mbappe's. <laughs> These cards are going for 20 grand. I, Do you know? this. I remember when the Mbappe started going for that sort of money. Anytime I landed in a potential star pot, I was like, this is like, it, it felt like you had like a one in 10 chance of winning the lottery. It was that much money. I barely slept the night before. I, I came second in like champion division three or something. And I had a star air coming my way. And Mbappe <laughs> was in the pool. Now, oh. in hindsight, I think I wouldn't have ever got it because number one would have got it if anyone got it. You You'd have expected way. it, right? Yeah. But at the but same time, I was like, happened. I could get an Mbappe. Exactly. I was like, I could get an Mbappe. Like that, yeah. that was at the time, honestly, at the time it was 50 grand. He was selling yeah. like 40 or 50 grand. um, And yeah, I remember looking at him and he was like a grand or two. 
like a year ago and that didn't bite oh anyway one of the first on. cards i bought actually on the platform was a super rare diego maradona and he died two days later and i was like i i didn't have a lot of money invested in the platform i was like man there's got to be someone out there who like really fucking loves maradona like i i'll i'll, I'll put it on the market i think it was it was it was still cheap. I think I, I made I probably like doubled my money on it. But we're talking like the double of my money was from like three hundred quid to f- six hundred quid, something like that, mm. in a couple of days. Um, I think I bought that off of YNWA actually. Um, and you know, like look at that now from a collectible perspective and what the platform's yeah. done since that that super rare of Diego Maradona has got to be worth five figures at least um, to a collector that like that comes on as a collector and not yeah, as, no. as an SO5 player. I remember I was sitting in work uh, when he died and I was on so rare when I heard he died. It wasn't like I, I don't, I wasn't quite as crude as to hear he died. And the first thing I did was go to so rare. I was literally on so rare as I got like a pop-up from like BBC news or something being like Diego Maradona's passed away age, whatever. Yeah. And I just obviously because it was on Twitter, search bar Diego Maradona, and there was one there for like two hundred quid. It was like a rare, and I was like, I had the balance, and I was like, will I? I was like, is that a bit? Yeah, <laughs> this was exactly my thinking at the time. I was that like, is it a? Bit? I was like, do I list him now? And I thought, what do you list him for? And I thought, when I bought him, I don't really know why I bought him either. Like I remember speaking to my mate Dan, who got me on the platform, and I told him, I was like, I've got an absolute steal here. I've just bought. Diego Maradona super rare for this much and he was like it's probably not worth that much because you can't use it in the game and I was like mm. oh I didn't really think about that and then I was like shit yeah. I need rid of it now because I need that money it was your get out of jail free use. card I was <laughs> like yeah and then I thought I'm no stuck way, with like... that now it was literally yeah. like I'm, I've, 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 I've thought I've made a stinker by buying it at that point and I think I might have listed it before he died I think I had already had it on the market just trying to get my money back on it um, and then it ended up going I think I had a couple of offers for it and I thought I'll list it. Um, and it went, it went within a few days. I think, like I said, I've made a little bit of money on it. Nowhere near what, what it's worth now, but um, that was definitely one of the, you know, talking about the collectibles and like those kind of potential yeah. cards, like those Mbappes, you win one of those. I'll be the same. If I land in any of these pools that have a card like that in them and I'm looking at like a star rare, it, you would get excited because if you can win a Neymar and a, and a Messi or an Mbappe, they we're getting more and more of those players. You know, like if the Premier League comes on and, and Ronaldo enters the pool and all these players that aren't just like great SO5 scorers, but they're extremely collectible for like long-term holders of, of cards and, you know, people like yourself who come from a card collecting background. Those cards are like gold dust in your collection, really. Do you want to know something quite exciting? Go on. In- I don't know if I mentioned this already this podcast or if I mentioned it to you off air or if I said it to myself, but <laughs> Donnarumma is a... Did I say this in this podcast already? Donnarumma is a tier one rare in champion Europe this week. This weekend. Wow. Donnarumma. That's ex- that's I think exciting. he's a star rare in under 23s. Someone said this. I should credit them, but I forget who it was. It's a, a tier one rare. So like there'll be star rares there in champion Europe. Let me see if I can find one. Someone's going to get like a Benzema or a Pedri. A oh, Pedri's pretty good. Oshiman, mm. uh, Marquinhos. I mean, these are all solid players. Vinicius Junior, Dybala, Eddie N. Green, yeah. Barella, Lucas Haradecki, Anthony Lopez. They're stars. And Donnarumma is a tier, tier one. one. 
Now that should be That's manually nice. adjusted somehow, you'd like to think. But <laughs> bottom line is, if you're in the top 11, I think, in Champion D4 this week, you have a solid chance. Like it would tempt me to really go hard at Champion Europe D3 because it'd be 24 yeah. prizes um, where you could get at least a Donnarumma. That is crazy. I'm just looking at that now. Yeah, like Immobile's in there as well. Alexander, Isaac. There's some decent players in that. Um, Gerbic as well. In the Newball. tier one, like. Yes, but, um, Milinkovic, Savage is in there. Frank Kessie's in there. Teo Hernandez. There's some amazing players in the tier one. Mm-hmm. Casemiro. It would tempt you. It would tempt it you. It would, yeah. But, but look, that's enough on PSG. Based on time. We have one big topic to discuss, and then we have a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of, do you know what? It's been a running theme throughout the podcast. So, like, well, we haven't addressed it head on. The 680 million investment, which values so rare at over $4 billion, it's, it's a monumental day for the platform that cannot be understated. It is huge. I mean, the 50 million was big. This is like, yeah. this is more than 10, 12, 13, 13 and a half times bigger than that. This is massive. Like, the names involved, the amount of money at hand. Big Nicholas is sorted for life. Um, <laughs> you know, I hope I hope the other staff have like equity in the company or something. Um, but I mean, like, well, their their four priorities are going to be continue to build a world class team, uh, sign new partnerships to bring the top twenty football leagues on board. The top fifty national teams is what they're going for. Mm. Accelerate on mobile and marketing. They want it to be a mobile first experience that fans globally will know about. They want to expand into new sports next year, which is a big one. I'm sure they'll get SO5 nailed down before that. And they're also going to give back to the community. They're going to support community-led football programs, back young underprivileged entrepreneurs, and support female representation in sports. I do think we will have female soccer NFTs quite soon. Yeah, um, they've Rapinos. definitely said that in the past as well. I think when people have asked that in sort of like uh, Q&A they sessions, have. they've definitely said that they will have uh, women's soccer. I think um, Alexis Ohanian, who's a an investor, um, I think is he Serena Williams' husband. Oh right! Wow, I, I haven't actually looked into uh, who's behind the kind of uh, the, the the VC rounds, but I do he know was... that um, a little bit about from like experience of like working on things like this in the past. That amount of money is absolutely insane amount of money um for a for a series for a b series um investment round it's actually it's actually the biggest one ever in europe in it across all business and it and it, to put it into perspective um it's about five times what airbnb got in their series b round of vc um, back airbnb who airbnb and what <laughs> airbnb get the fuck out of here this is so rare baby fucking five times <laughs> those yeah, but like seriously, Five it times is mad. The size of their round, it's insane. It's a, it's an absolutely huge amount of money, and uh, yeah, I mean, the mind boggles thinking about like what comes next after this because that is serious investment, like unprecedented in Europe. The possibilities are just endless, and I mean, I read something the other day, and I am going to slaughter this in layman's terms, right? Absolutely <laughs> slaughter it. Oh, I don't even think I should bring this up, but I've started now and everyone's wondering. But I'm telling you, I should not have brought this up because I'm going to butcher it. Jeez, right. What was it? Something like like Web 2.0 and 3.0 and all this. What you'll find is with Web 3.0, most of the early sort of things that people invent 
are new app or web 3.0 versions of things that have already existed mm. it's only after a certain amount of time that the true creators and the true entrepreneurship comes into it where people really truly create new things that have never been seen before because we've new technology so like when you think yeah. of when a computer was first made they used it to build a calculator i don't know if calculators already yeah. existed or you know they, they used the computer to do things that we could already do but just do it different and better Quickly, and then after yeah. a after a while social networking and whatever came into it like um social media and everything like things that hadn't been done before yeah it's that type of conversation where like the true scope of what so rare could potentially become i don't think any of us have even touched on it give it five years i mean where i see it the grand vision i've said this on podcasts before i've said this in video so sorry to repeat myself but we do get new listeners every week where i am why i'm so bullish on what i see is i see with the following stuff on so rare now i see the social media of football with footballers where you can buy the cards where the one thing that what does the world not have at the minute in terms of football it does like you match the day to get highlights you'll type something into instagram and twitter but we don't have in the moment highlights of goals of assists of decisive actions i think we will have decisive actions with a 15 second video clip that we can share onto our social or onto our so rare timeline and be like look what he's just done now share it or whatever and everyone will be like oh my god vanakin lord vanakin does what he wants and i just (laughs) see this like where you have your flash scores and you have your who scored and you have your whatever we'll have so rare where people who don't even own the nfts have so rare because they want to get score updates quick they want to see the videos of their favorite players because the whole game is becoming much more player focused not team focused um and i'm an absolute degenerate i feel like i'm one of the first people ever who kind of dropped supporting a team to support players who won me things on fantasy football (laughs) i just see that's where the world's going it's Um, definitely a part of that as well like the amount of teams i follow now because i've got their players on so rare like I, I don't miss an FC Saul game. I don't miss Daegu. I, I, every game, I'm like, I can watch it on my computer. I've got like, got my emails up. You know, I'm trying to put meetings off. But like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> yeah. midweek, I'm watching Osmar tear it up. Sassinia, the sauce god. It's like a bacon yeah, sandwich without the meat that guy. He's just pure sauce, mate. <laughs> Nothing but sauce on Sassinia. Hoodwink, I love that player. one. Shout out Hoodwink. But um, yeah, it's... Yeah, and I haven't even touched on other things. Like this real-world experience utility comes into it where people are going to grounds getting free sandwiches and whatever else yeah. because of their NFTs or meet and greets or maybe not on match days. I don't know how it works or free tours of stadiums or I think all I this real-world stuff is so crazy. You look at like those kind of social tokens that like the Socios guys have done yeah. like at Chili's as well and some of the things that they do, like you know, if you hold this token, you can vote for this player's squad number this season. Um, there's no reason that you know they couldn't offer up something like that to everyone who holds like the Lukaku card, like like women in Lukaku's first Chelsea card. Like um, anyone who holds a Lukaku card can come down and like claim a, a the first ever Lukaku shirts to be printed at a club shop or something mm. like that. You know, there's so much stuff that you can do here. Um, it's just like you said, like building those licenses and those ex- um, relationships with the clubs whose licenses. Uh, so rare have and most of the clubs they have like a kind of one-to-one relationship with those so it'll be it'll happen quicker but with the clubs that where by the licenses have been bought from the league maybe like the mls or la liga um or and, and possibly like um the belgian divisions as well then it might be like 
then they have to build those relationships with some of the clubs where they didn't go like directly to them for like individual licenses. Mm. But there's literally the possibilities are endless. Like it could be players reaching out to so rare as well. Like, Hey, I want to do a meet and greet or I want to, I've got like five ticket, like my family to not come into the game. I've got five tickets to give away. Like anyone who holds my NFTs can go into a draw for this weekend's tickets or something like that. Mm. Like, I think we're going to see lots of that personally. And I think the more footballers that get involved, especially um, the more like weird and wonderful things we'll be able to do with those cards. And also just like the third party apps, the way that Sora allow people to build on the API. Can you even imagine like some of the potential games and things that could come out um, with them being so kind of open with that, with that API? It's going to be exciting. Yeah. No, look, I, I could I could talk about this all day. Um and I actually do talk about this all day, but we, <laughs> we'll we'll do a couple of questions and wrap up because um cool. I have another two videos to record. I'm away on a golf weekend drinking pints this weekend for the first time in two years. So me and my family go away on a golf trip every nice. we normally do it in May. We're all shit. Like I mean, I haven't had a golf ball in two <laughs> years and I am the best golfer that goes. That's how shit we are, but it's an excuse for uncles and cousins and brothers to go for pints and yeah. it's going to be a heavy heavy weekend thursday to sunday so i am out of action so i'm like all the content's getting done today so i can switch off the weekend so keep changing your outfit in between each one <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally uh, i've actually rec- that's actually a good point i've like two more videos to record and i've wore this t-shirt all day it's time to go outfit change <laughs> good man i but, could be um, your agent john <laughs> you could you're, you're more switched on than me about this do you do you do that when you make content do you go like switching outfits for your, your some sometimes your like the opposite i had to film like this um this sort of like tutorial video for a, a like a music company a few months ago and it was shot over two days but they had to make it look like it was shot in one go so we shot in two days but i had to wear the same outfit for two days and we went out on the piss after the first night so the second day i look at they had to put loads of makeup on my face and like we had to like give my t-shirt an iron and just like hose me down with like deodorant <laughs> yeah. and that to get through yeah. it but yeah luckily we didn't have too much filming to do on day two so it's like the opposite it was i had to actually wear the same like bart simpson every episode <laughs> yeah the same outfit. <laughs> yeah like one day you were there recording next day you rock up with a beard it's like what happened yeah. here between scenes a black eye or something like from having a fight <laughs> yeah yeah that would have been game over actually yeah but- <laughs> Right, a exactly. couple of questions here from the crew. So, Sean O'Neill, what's your thought process when picking a captain in SO5? Is it better to pick a forward to capitalise if they score or a midfield defender who normally posts solid scores? So, I'll go for this one quickly because what I've started doing is I kind of go all duck or no dinner. I'm not, I said this a few weeks ago in a video, I'm not here to take part, I'm here to take over. The old Conor <laughs> McGregor quote. Uh, but bottom line is like, I don't want a captain, my defender, who's a regular scorer of 70 when he never scores peak 100s. I will captain the guy who has the best chance of a peak because I'm, as I said, I'm here to win. I'm not here for a tier three. Equally, like if I'm even questioning whether someone will play or not, if they're in my team, the team's doing nothing if they don't play. And if they're a peak, so like, let's say, let me find someone here. Let's say Lorenzo Insigne was like a doubt, but I needed to use him in a lineup. And he was a bit of a doubt, but I had to put him in the lineup based on sort of stipulations. He's my captain because if he plays, like he needs to play for me to do anything. So if he plays, I want him captain. So I'll always generally favor the attacker personally because they normally have higher peaks. And the perfect example, this isn't a great example, but because he's always going to be a captain. But 
me and you had a bit riding on the Ajax game. We're recording over Ajax sit hard. I yep. had Tadic captain in my challenger, and he's went and put a hundred up. So there you go. Likewise, um, I had Mas- Masrawi in my uh, D three under twenty three, and he's put a hundred up. Has he? I need to yep. get him. I swear, like because I've got I've got Tadic there and a Berghaus. Berghaus got the goal and got subbed off at half time. Still a respectable sixty six points. But like That's with those exactly two what players, to Masrawi in the last game exactly the same I'm thing. Si- I'm sitting there with like I'm 25th now, 196 points off two players, but I'm like Maybe. 200 points off first place. I've Versharon <laughs> to go, who's a rotation risk, and then Van Uick and Mulder who are away to Feyenoord. So I'm I'm kind of regretting what is around mm. that team. Do you know like what's around those two guys? But anyway, captaincy and nailed it with Tadic midweek. How? Yeah, what's I'm your quite thoughts on that question? That. I've, 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 I'm quite similar. I think it depends if I'm in like a D2 where like maybe I haven't got like this, you know, I don't really have any supers that can put up those kind of scores, but I do have a few supers that do put up uh, like good consistent sort of 60 to 70s. Like I've got an Osmar super who if I put him in a D2, I normally give him or like Joey Veerman, I've got a super of mm. him. And like likewise, like he can get to those hundreds and he does get a decisive in most games. So he tends to be a captain if if I can captain him. But in terms of like my D3s, when it comes to like my rares, yeah, I'm I'm always, it's normally at the moment between Masrawi, um, because he's a bit of a mix of the two. His all-around scores are always good, but he very often gets in amongst the goals or assists. Um, he's an extremely attacking right back. Um, you know, he, he, even his all-around's great because he gets in the box a lot. So he gets all of those kind of like penalty area entries and, um, he gets a lot of fouls. He, he gets a lot of balls in the box. He doesn't miss many passes. So he's a great player, whether whether he gets a decisive or not. Obviously, we spoke a little bit about Sassinia there as well. He is a beast of an all-round scorer. And if he gets a decisive, he normally gets, you know, over 80. So he's almost like mm. a, a, a bona fide over 80 stamped on. I've got him as my captain in D3 this week. Um, in the same team that Maz Rowie's just scored 100 in. And it was going to be between him or Sassinia. And I think um, I went more for Sassinia purely because I had a slightly better percentage as well, which sometimes mm. does come into play as well. Like the XP, if they've got like, if I've got like an 11 or 9% on them already, I might be a little bit more likely to lean towards giving them the captaincy than someone who's got the 5%. Because if they bang the 100, you're getting that extra, you know, 10, 11% instead of the extra 5%. Um, so yeah, sometimes I might captain Lukaku because I think I've got like eleven point five percent bonus on top of him, um, compared to like my Sassinia and Masrawi are both on like five percent at the minute because they've just had their season bonus knocked off. But that's the only time I've made that way. Does that like make sense? My head's kind of blown here. Like if someone's got a ten percent bonus and the other guy's got a five percent bonus, surely giving yeah. them a captaincy just throws you- twenty on top. It does, yeah. So if they've already got like a base of like ten percent, if you give them the captaincy, it goes up to like one hundred and thirty percent of their score as the max. So you can score a maximum of one hundred and thirty. Whereas if you give someone with five percent, you've got a maximum of one hundred and twenty-five. So you've actually opened yourself up to the potential to score another five points overall. If you're if you're choosing between two players who have the potential to bang a hundred, and one of them's got eleven percent and one of them's got five. Sometimes I'd consider, but sometimes you know, like if they've got an easy fixture, I'll be like, yeah, give it to that one. That extra six percent might come in handy. But you see, like if you give it to the one hundred and five, like the five percent bonus, 
let's say he scores 100 and he gets 125%. Mm. So he gets 125 points with mm. his 100. And then you have 10% on another player and they score 100 and they get 110 points. That's 135, 235 overall. So let's say you have two players, right? This yeah, is just me going on a bit of a Maz tangent. <laughs> Let me see. So if they both score 100s, um, the 110, the 100, and, oh, holy good, Jesus is blowing my mind, right? <laughs> Sorry, I brought us here, but I need to do this for my own sanity. So let's say you captain the 100, the 10% guy, so he's getting 130%. He'll score 130 points. Your 5% guy will score 105. That gives you 235 points. Now let's flip the captaincy. So that you have a guy with 110% and you have a guy with 125%. Both of them you'll get 235 way. points. I've never, I never even thought about that. So I've completely like, I've overthought myself, basically. <laughs> you've overthought <laughs> yourself and you've, you've thought you're being a genius each week. But look. Now, like, there's me sitting there. You've just made my whole game week better because I'm looking at this team thinking I should have captain Masrawi, but it doesn't actually matter because if Sassinia bangs 100, then I'm, I'm still all right. But you if captain, he doesn't, bottom really line different. is you captain who you think will score the bigger score, and that that's that's yeah. literally what it comes down and to. And I think the only normally Masrawi's been my go-to because he has banged a fair few hundreds lately, and Ajax are on fire. The only reason I didn't captain him this week was because of that halftime they took him off, and I thought, mm. you know, if they if they fancied this as an easy game, maybe they wouldn't start him this week. And it was it was almost that part of me that's like Wrench hasn't had a look in. I don't know if he's injured at the minute or or not, but. He's barely played the last few games because Masrawi's been dominating. Um, I'm just going to have a quick look at the lineup to see if Wrench is like on the bench at all. I'm going um, to throw one thing out here and then we'll answer another question and go. He's not, so maybe but, he's injured. But yeah, yeah, I don't actually know. I haven't actually. I asked defense is somewhere I have no exposure, and I'd like some. But just to finish on that point, my under twenty three division two this week is it. I think this is a decent kind of case study on my thinking behind this. And this is my first ever time actually entering this division. I went to do it before and I've shape bagged out. I did it this week. Um, I have Schubert, Melvin Bard, Kakaray, Jonathan David and Raphael Leao. Now, Melvin Bard for me, with his fixture, with everything he's been doing, I think he is of these guys, the highest average, best potential guy. Like I think if someone's going to score, if I had to pick the guy who's going to score the most points over 10 weeks is Melvin Bard. I think he will score... 60 70 points this week right but i captained rafael leao because this team for me isn't worth shit if leao doesn't score anyway so if leao does nothing and gets 33 points this team is dead anyway so i may as well captain him because i think he might with the fixture he has against spezia or something he might get two decisives and might score 85 yeah. Do you know, yeah. I think his that's, peak is higher than Bard's, but his base is lower than Bard's, and that's kind of. I think that's really important in D two as well. From my experience as well, like I've entered a few D two, and that is a little bit punty for me that I have got a team of supers, but they're not like nailed on top scoring. A couple of them are like maybe not going to start, um, but I do have Joey Veerman, and he has the potential to bang a decisive or two, so he's going to get the captaincy over, you know, like. Uh, Daiki Matsuoka, who might get mm. like a 50 on average, 55, but he's probably going to play 90 minutes and play every game. I'd, I'd, you know, I'm fortunate that I've got Veerman there. I've got Tukovin as well at, at Dinamo Moscow, um, and he gets the captaincy occasionally. Um, but, you know, I feel like at his age as well, 
that's the thing with under 23. Sometimes if they're like 19, 18, they're going to get rested every now and then, even if they are one of the better players in their squad or in their position. When you've got like those 22-year-olds who are a little bit more like, you know, they've got a bit more between their teeth in the in the, in the the positions they play, they're a little bit more of a safe bet with the cap- captaincy. So I think picking a captain for the under 23s is a little bit more difficult than maybe like a global side where you've got pick mm. the bunch. Sometimes my D2, I haven't got a D2 in the midweek, but I probably will put one in for the weekend. I had one in in the past weekend and I would have been, sometimes I'll put like a Masrawi rare in there instead of like a Vandenbelt um, super because Masrawi with even like, even as a rare without that extra bonus is going to score more points than like an average mm. super. And um, I've actually got in the cards with four supers and a Masrawi rare before. Um, so sometimes, sometimes that comes into play um, as well. I, I only entered D2 this midweek. Now, I don't even know what the prize pool's looking like. There's probably not many prizes. Yeah, like 11 people get a super rare, but that's mm. 11 of the 79 that entered. And I have five players that should play mm. that can all yes. score 60 or better. So I'm kind of thinking like, do you know if I could put up a 350 score here? You could be in for a decent super rare. And on the freak yeah, definitely. week... Definitely in the midweek, mad. I think. If something freakish happens here, right? The prize pool, D2, tier one super rare. I mean, in that pool, let me see, they're probably shit. Yeah, like you could get a super rare Lissandro Martinez, Nuruddin, yeah. Lafont, Brahim Diaz, Jonathan David. There's, there's a yes, Tani in tier two as well. Like there's some... Odalon Pepe, Tanali, Tamori, Koku. There's so many there. Like Saliba, there's so many cards there that I would love the super rare of that I'm like, mm. look, on the freak week that that happens, you know, midweek, 79 entrance, you've as good a chance as anyone with the cards I've put in. But Absolutely. the very, very last question uh, is from the original Willow. There were there was other ones from Bullstar. Thank you. Simo put something up. Um, thanks, for, thanks for the engagement, guys. Infinite rest. But I'm doing it. I'm going off the likes because that's what we do based on time. <laughs> Can we as a community agree that if you're sticking a player and they want to trade Discord five times a day, asking for 120% value, it's basically a crime against humanity and using last sale price when negotiating for a player who hasn't sold for a month is about as useful as a knitted condom? Willow, I agree. <laughs> I, I barely look in there anymore, to be fair. I, I, Man, yeah. I ne- you negotiate with some agents. You really do. Like, I'm not going to name anyone. I'm not even going to name the player because then they'll know who they are and I don't want to give them a hard time because I don't think they were, they weren't, they were nice. This is the difference. These guys were nice. They weren't abrasive. But he messaged me about a player and wanted him. And I was like, yeah, I, I can trade him for that player. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm up for trade there. I said, well, look, there's like not point not not five in the difference here on so rare data. Will we just like, and actually that was like last sales everything on market he was the one who approached me for the trade because he wanted my player i said i'm happy to take your player and facilitate that trade i feel if you ever approach someone for their player in a trade and you offer them a bunch of junk you need to be the one giving equity because you're the one seeking a player do you know i'm not saying you need to give me 120 percent, but he approached me and he was like well i actually value that player um, it was twenty percent less than than he's on for. Okay, so that's that's fifteen percent less than he's ever been sold for. It's twenty yeah. percent less than he's currently on the market, and you're coming to me looking for this player. Yeah, and I'm saying I'll take your guy because yeah, okay, I'm I'm open to it. But it's like you need to be giving me something, sir, not the opposite yeah. way around. There's I agree. Some f- 
Ah, look, if, if no, there is. I, I get them all the time. And I think if you have to argue with me, the person who you're trying to get the card from, to like sell me the idea of giving it up for something that, you know, two like crap cards that I'm going to struggle to shift and don't really need, mm. then what, what favor, what am I, what, what am I getting out of the deal? And sometimes the same, like if I go to a manager and maybe I'm slightly short on the ETH, put in an offer, got rejected, get in touch on Discord and see if they'll take, you know, like a, a part trade or something like that for the card. I'm expecting to overshoot the valuation. As soon as you start adding cards into the mix, if you're not coming up with the price they want in Ethereum terms, you should be giving them a little bit of a bonus in terms of potential kickback um, if they sell the card that you're using as well as the ETH mm. that you're getting. So I totally agree with that. And I think it's weird that people even... Another one that gets me a lot is a, a player that's not listed on the market. And they come in as like, hey, would you be willing to sell this card? And it's like, well, I haven't listed him. What are you offering? And it's way under like what his lowest value on the market is. It's like, look, mate, if if I haven't list, if I list a card, I'll put him on cheapest on the market usually, equal to, and unless I've got loads of XP on it or something like that. And it's like, yeah. that XP is way bigger than the cheapest. So look, I want a little bit more. But in in general, if my cards are not listed. I'm not going to sell them for below market value. Yeah. Or it's a, like, give me an accept. I always just say, yeah, but for an exceptional offer, like I'm open to selling yeah. the guy, but I mean like yeah. not cheaper than the market, you know? Like, exactly. Yeah. If you want my card because of the number on it or something like that, like then, then let's talk. But if it's not because yeah. of that, it's going to cost you more than market value. Cause I'm not, I don't want to sell it. That's why it's not on the market. Absolutely. Well, look, there was some great questions there. Thank you so much for the engagement, everyone. Remember, each week I'll put a post out on my Twitter. You can find me at John Nellis underscore. You can find Plastician at at Plastician. Um, he'll be tagged all over my Twitter. And every week I post for questions for the guest. We cover the most liked ones each week. So go in, get engaging and throw us any topics or questions you have every week. Now, time's going on, Plastician. To wrap up, I keep calling you Plastician. I said I was going to call you Chris, but here we are. <laughs> um, last week in the 137 game, HG put up a monster score. I did warn him. Kimmich put up the 100. Lewandowski with the 69 for 169. <laughs> which is, I think, the second biggest score ever in the game. What two players are you going for for your for this week? 2-4 coming. Okay, I am going to go with Valentin Castellanos at New York City yeah. FC and Igor Deviv at CSKA. Deviv, he was one of my first ever buys, you know, and I sold him a long time ago before Russia yeah, came I, back in like I won February him. or March. I won him in a game. I won both of those cards in a game week, actually. I own both of those, and uh, they're both really great. Um, cards. I think that Castellanos. I've, I've kind of gone with that because I think Castellanos will probably score somewhere between seventy and eighty, and I think that Deviv somewhere between maybe fifty and sixty, maybe maybe into the low seventies. So between the two of them, hopefully we get somewhere in around that sort Close of one forty mark, somewhere up, somewhere around there. Well, good luck to you. You're the second last competitor of the month, um, and. Yeah, I think that's all. Is there anywhere you want to be found or anything you want to pump before you leave? Uh, no, I'm happy to be on the podcast. Uh, shout out everyone in the uh, community. Um, it's good to be a part of the chat always on t Twitter or or, or anywhere, um, really. So feel free to give me a, a message on, on Twitter, like, like John said, at Plastician. Um, and yeah, look forward to hearing uh, your next podcast, John. Thanks for having me on the on the show, mate. No, thanks a million. I mean, I put out 
sort of posts every so often like who do you want to hear you were thrown out there a lot and obviously I've seen you engaging a good bit recently so no, great to get it recorded and I'm sure there's a lot in there so look we, we, we didn't stop talking I think it's actually the longest one ever and I keep saying I need to make it shorter I'm sorry <laughs> Emily's in the background I won't be probably offended snapping, if you need but to like, cut any bits out it's all right <laughs> no no we leave it wrong but look thanks a million um, and thanks to everyone listening and uh, I'll chat to you soon yeah thanks very much mate Okay, so that's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. It was great to get to chat to Chris and get to know him. Uh, Obviously, huge, huge week for the platform. It can't be understated. And make sure to leave a review on the podcast now if you're ever going to leave one because lots of people will be looking for So Rare. And if you leave a review, they're more likely to find this podcast. So please do uh, if you're on Apple. And if not, even a wee shout out on social media would be much appreciated. Have a great week and I'll chat to you next week.